Well, howdy. Good morning. Carl Erickson in the house, the tactical rifleman. Welcome to the Wolfpack podcast. I am very tired today. Why are you tired, Eric? Uh, I, I think because I was out entertaining you all night, you and your, your posse. Yeah, it's not as though we hadn't just been out on the Rubicon Trail for two <laughs> yeah. days tired. And it, Eric's like, yeah, I want to take you out all night long to a fancy dinner. It was, it was, I appreciate it. Was a, it was a fancy dinner at my house. Yeah, it was great. I had a good time hanging great out. Time. Great That's time. That's right. And here we are, sipping Nutrient Survival Vitamin Coffee this morning. It's great. It is a treat having you today here at Nutrient Survival Headquarters. Uh, you did make a hugely long trip. I think hugely is a word. Hugely long trip with your convoy, a yes. couple of other Jeeps in tow. Yeah, we've been on the road for a few days. Um, if you're off-roader, Jeeps, whatever, uh, the bucket list for all off-roaders is you've got to go do the Rubicon Trail at least once in your life. Uh, it goes all the way back to the end of World War II where they, you know, they... The Joes bought all the old surplus Jeeps, and uh, anyways, it became a popular trail back then. It still is today. So we're like, hey, let's do it. And uh, so we came all the way in. I've got guys on my team all the way from Tampa, Florida. They fled right before the, uh, oh, thank, the hurricane. Thank goodness, yeah. And then North Carolina, I'm rolling in from Kentucky. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we got our off-road campers. We're just kind of living out of our campers. But yeah, three days straight to get here. Rubicon Trail's right on the other side of Lake Tahoe. And there's no way you can come this close to Nutrient Survival Headquarters and not stop by. This. Okay, so I'm confused. I, I thought it was come see Nutrient Survival and while I'm here, do the Rubicon Trail. But it's, it's actually the other way around? Really? Come on, Carl. I, love I thought you, we were friends, you know, you man. Know, I love you. I love you. I thought we were friends. Well, you, you, you hit I a few you. other spots I on the way, too. I would have flown in to visit you. Okay. I would, well, I would not have driven that Jeep with 35-inch tires. This is true. At this nine is true. miles to the gallon. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're glad you're here, and you've got your, your son here with you, as well as a couple other folks, so it's, it's great. But you're our very first Green Beret on the show, and it makes me almost feel like I want to break out into song. Fighting men That's from not. the sky. <laughs> Fearless men who jump and die. Isn't that how it goes? That was me. <laughs> the, and you know the wives hate that Do song. They? Because Whoa. they played it at every, um, every change of command ceremony. Everything like that. You play the ballot. It's called the Ballad of the Grim Parade. Right. And... Uh, but they also play it at funerals. Oh, but man. even at change of command ceremonies, whatever, there's a line in there where it basically yeah. says, uh, uh, pin silver wings on my son's chest. Yes. Tell him that I did my best, basically. Right. And, right. and talking about that, you know, uh, dad has died overseas fighting for his country. So yeah, the wives cannot yeah. stand that no. song. The Ballad of the Green Berets is not popular with the wives, <laughs> not at all. I but, just, I, I don't even think I know the first <laughs> verse. I remember the, the other part, not pin the wings on my son's chest, but silver wings upon my chest. Yeah, I remember that verse. That's talking about yeah. uh, how, because that, Back uh, Vietnam era, there was not even a special forces tab on their uniform. Basically, when you graduated, you got uh, you just became a you you got given your green beret. You had your silver wings, um, but jump wings. Yeah, you know, and, and talks about you know a hundred men will test today, only three will win the green beret. That's it. But 
Um, you know, back then, uh, all the support kids, you could be a typist if you were assigned to that unit you wore, Green Beret. It's uh, kind of kind of weird. Kinda Is that weird. what you did? You were a typist? No, actually, I have your bio here. Yep. 25 years in the U.S. Army, obviously decorated combat veteran, a lot of tours overseas, retired sergeant major, 18 years of that 25 with special forces, uh, all aspects of special operations, training, execution, technical oversight, um, of a detachment company and con combined joint task force, decorated, three bronze stars, uh, Army Commendation, Valor, Ranger School, Military Free Fault, Jump Master, Special Forces Medic. Uh, here's a long one Special Forces Advanced Reconnaissance, Target Analysis, Exploitation Techniques Course. Safartech. Safartech. It's, it's designed to be a name that. It uh, means absolutely nothing. There's no badge for it, but basically that's our hostage rescue yeah. school. Yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to talk about that. Fun school. Yeah, Fun school. Uh, sniper, special forces sniper. Not just sniper, but special forces sniper. And now you have another outfit uh, called Ex Umbris International LLC. Yeah. And you train not only military units, but law enforcement, emergency first responders. And you also help people like me in the private sector. Yeah. With training and and equipping us did it did i get all that yeah and uh, that's kind of where my passion is is you know i you know the job of a green beret you've got you know your five different missions direct action strategic reconnaissance all that stuff but a big part of it is their primary mission is uh unconventional warfare so yeah picture french resistance world war ii you you parachute in behind enemy lines you collect up the local guerrillas but then you train them and then you, you equip them and lead them. And so a big part of being a Green Beret is being able to teach um, foreign fighters, but uh, that's your training two-legged mammals, basically. And that's, um, that's Americans, that's, that's everybody. So um, I started looking at the things that we were teaching the military, teaching law enforcement. I, a good example is firearm safety or how to use a pistol. Well, of mm -hmm. course the military needs to know that. So doesn't law enforcement. Uh, but if we're gonna let civilians carry firearms, we need to train them to use firearms. And mm -hmm. I'm just using that as one yeah. example. But it applies to all of our training. Uh, first aid, that's a given, that's easy. But um, a lot of, uh, literally a lot of the training, uh, tactics and uh, you know, there's, the way I look at it is instead of us make me making the decision that, hey, you don't need to learn that. I, I want to be able to allow you, the end user, uh, because everybody's situation is different. You know, you make the decision what it is you want to learn, what you don't want to learn. So I'm very big on, there's a lot of concerned citizens out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I want to make them capable citizens because... I'm 55 and I'll be long gone, but someday, heaven forbid, uh, you know, if uh, foreign soldiers ever land on our so on our our shores, they may be dropping Green Beret A teams into your backyard. And wouldn't it be nice if those young Green Berets landed somewhere, and the civilians that were already there were already trained to this standard? They wouldn't wow. have to yeah. start from there. So, I mean, I'm yeah. by no means in uh, saying, hey, you need to boogaloo and overthrow the government. I, 
that is so not me. I'm very big supporter of the United States military, Absolutely. our government, and everything. Yep. Politicians, they should come right between deer and turkey season. <laughs> but the the actual uh, the actual apparatus itself, it was put together very very well from the start. They yes. based it. Uh, you know, the yeah. the rule book is the Constitution, and as so right. long as they don't stray too far from it, it's going to stay the success story that it is. That's interesting. That's 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 really interesting. Very well said. Uh, we were talking a little the other day about Nord Stream two because that was clearly a sabotage act by somebody, and one of the questions that you know I was pondering like who did it and why, and when it came to the potential suspects, you know, kind of a international whodunit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got you to say, well, at one point in time, uh, President Biden said, hey, uh, that pipe will not happen if Russia invades, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And so, okay, that sounds a little like a threat, maybe a motive, I don't know. But the question was, would we have orchestrated that and um and i and i just i refuse to believe that um but there is this rule book that yes we answer to our civilian authorities and that's why we salute them right and as long as it's a lawful order a lawful order that mission will be carried on mm-hmm. is that is that a true statement so in terms of could that pipeline have been blown by the u.s don't know but is it possible? Oh yeah, with, yeah. without a doubt. There's uh, all kinds of shaping of uh, political scenes all over the planet, and we don't see the half of it because. And I'm not talking here the last 15 years, but if mm-hmm. if you look back, um, the whole Cold War, you know, um, you know, prior to that, you know centuries ago you had great britain and france and everybody that were doing colonialism spreading across the globe mm-hmm. okay they did that uh, basically the whole planet fast forward the uh the cold war with the former soviet union nato and the former soviet union were wanted as many countries on their side uh, as possible so a lot of shaping of governments and stuff was going on behind the scenes. And uh, the Green Berets, we trace our lineage back to the OSS, the Office of Strategic Services, World War II. But after that, it, uh, that unit was split. And it mm-hmm. split into the Green Berets, but the other half was the CIA. And... Uh, there's supposed to be intelligence, but uh, and the the actual direct action arm, the actual you know doing the operation should have stayed with the military. And uh, some people say it's good to have all the Jason Bourne uh, stuff out there, but the the reality is the CIA does have an action arm, like it or not. I I know they're they're saying. Carl, you can't say that on the internet. I, I could care less. I'm not politically correct. I, I'm just correct. No, plus, so, this is our, our YouTube yeah. channel. We're going to get censored, not you. <laughs> Do there. I know that stuff's going on right now? Um, I, I've got a lot of friends in different places, and we mm-hmm. talk about it. And uh, yeah. I, I would never talk about it openly on the internet. So I will say, yes, it's very possible. It's possible. Did we do sure. it? I honestly don't know. I'm, I'm not yeah. privy to any of that information at all. 
So I noticed that you have a nice Don Johnson look going there. Is that, is that part of your current cover? That's, uh, that's a little bit of propensity right there. Um, I met his wife last night. He is heterosexual. He is. Um, <laughs> is he calling me a good-looking man? Is that no, that's wondering? not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, is that part of your, part of your cover? No, no. in all seriousness. <laughs> um, well, you just came back from the Rubicon Trail. Rubicon Trail. Yeah, and anything, uh, anything pop out that surprised you? I got a text yesterday, and the text was something like this. Zero cell coverage, running way behind, only made six miles, and that was after a full day. Yeah. Um, it's 22 it's, miles long. I'm like, all right, Carl's not coming to dinner tonight. Yeah. Uh, so the plan was um, it's 22-mile route. Uh, Rubicon Trail has been done forever. We're doing it with street-legal Jeeps, and uh, um, we're going to do it over two days, leisurely run two days. We're going to uh, – there's a uh, the Rubicon Springs – which is a nice little area right at the halfway point. And the plan was, we'll, we'll, we'll go there, we'll lay up early in the afternoon, yeah. and we will uh, spend the night. If the cell phone coverage cool, if not, you know, we've, the GoPro cameras, everything, we'll save everything. Uh, and then the next day, leisurely finish the rest of the route. But because we're getting up earlier in the morning, which we'll be done by 3 p.m. easy. <laughs> so when you said... Yeah, all right, let's schedule dinner at 6 p.m. I'm like, oh, that's easy. So the halfway point, 22 miles, to me, that should be 11 miles, right? It's easy math. Uh, the sun started going down, and we were only at the six-and-a-half-mile mark. And I was like, if it's all like this, <laughs> I'm going to be here three days, yeah, one. Right. I'm six-and-a-half miles in. I'm <laughs> already at half a tank. Half tank, yeah. Now, I had six, I had six more gallons. Each vehicle, we, in turn, we all had extra fuel. But I'm already at half a tank, yeah. and I'm six, yeah. six miles in. So um, we, we just weren't sure. We weren't sure. So the next morning... We never made it to campsite. We actually pulled over the side of the trail. It just started getting too dark, and it's not safe yeah, to run. We're, we're actually on part of that's called the Big Sluice, which is listed as one of the bad obstacles. Fortunately, we're going downhill, but the, the rocks are the size of this table, mm -hmm. and there's, they're nonstop. They're literally nonstop. So we beat the snot out of the vehicles, the skid plates underneath, and bent bumpers, and banged control arms, uh, two of the Jeeps had iffy brake lines. We had uh, two leaky differentials. Wait, you said you, you popped your brake line right at the start. Right? Yeah, I was 150 meters yeah. in, and I was like, my brake line's leaking. Okay, bonus. <laughs> <laughs> I can't turn around. It's not in my DNA. It's physically impossible for me to tap out. I can't do that. Uh, but fortunately, the next day, we, we instead of leisurely breakfast crack a dong got up made a made a say it. Uh, two pots of coffee with my french press and uh -huh. some home style home scramble. style scramble there you I go i love my home style that, scramble that, that lifted your yeah. spirits uh yeah and so anyways sun up we hit the trail and we're never gonna make it we're never gonna make it but uh we finally hit a t hit a hill and i've had no cell phone coverage for two oh, days yeah. um we, we use a spot x uh uh, it's GPS. You're allowed to, you, you can do text to any phones with it, but 
Um, so, I mean, we had backup communications if we had an emergency. Um, but all of a sudden, my phone just blew up. Ding, 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 ding. I got 67 emails, like 50 text messages. And I, my son was driving at the time. I was like, hit the brakes, hit the brakes, stop. I checked my phone. I was like, I got one bar. <laughs> one little bar. I got a text to Eric. I was like, right, don't move. Don't roll forward at all. Yeah. So I sent you that text. Yeah. And uh, it turns out uh, that most of the hard areas are the first half. Okay. So, yeah, we reached the area where we got all the way up to like five, six miles per hour. We made time. Wow. We were in. Yeah, really good time. Um, yeah, we made good time. Yep. Uh, it's a fun trail. No, it's not. It's not a fun trail. It, the Rubicon Trail is not fun. It is a good test it off the box. of uh, your gear. It's a good test of your yeah. driving skills. There's okay. a lot of spots where uh, we had one guy with us in a two-door, but he was actually paralyzed from the waist down. His name's mm. Trent. Uh, okay. He asked if he could come. Sure, he's one of my patrons. Sure. He's a big member of the Patreon yeah. fam uh, yeah. Tactical Rifleman family. So he's driving his Jeep. He's got hand controls for oh, his brake wow. and gas. Really? So running the steering wheel and running brake and gas, and he, I'm trying to creep him wow. three inches, literally three inches, turn your wheel a little bit. Roll forward four inches, turn your wheel. And he's just bouncing. He'd roll forward three feet, go back six. And it was nerve-wracking. Sure. But at the same time, at that's that's part of it you know you, know, you could have yeah. a big rock buggy and yeah. just roll through it that's not the point of it the point of it is can you with your skill and your team with your equipment is your equipment capable of doing it and <laughs> you know we had extra brake lines and brake line flaring tools and uh, you know quartz of differential fluid and stuff for making differential gaskets and uh, all that stuff we pack so we're ready for any emergency. So uh, that's hmm. um, the motto, be prepared, the, the Boy sure. Scout motto. Green Berets take that motto to the umpteenth level. We have to be prepared for literally anything. So um, we had a good time. It's yeah, good no time. doubt. I'm glad it's over. I'm on my way to Moab. Uh, where Moab's uh, easier. Great trails and they're comfortable and they're comfortable. fun okay. and it's just beautiful nerve-wracking wow that is that's a remarkable story about trent too i mean what a what a warrior to be able to take something like that on and yeah. have the courage and not let uh a, a, if i can say disability impair yeah him from doing what he finds amazing and, and enjoyable that's, mm -hmm. that's awesome what a lesson that's great Okay, well, cool. So tell me a little bit about uh, Ex Umbris LLC. Ex Umbris. What does Ex Umbris mean? Ex Umbris means, Umbris. Uh, it stands for Out of the Shadows. Uh, my old unit was what we call Direct Action Company, uh, Hostage Rescue, uh, DA's Direct Action, uh, Kicking Open Doors, Doing Assaulter Stuff. Um, uh, so the, the motto, Nos Defions, uh, that's the motto for the schoolhouse is basically um uh we you know we defy okay cool we're not scared to go running into the building with the bad guys in there with guns uh, somebody has to go in we're the ones to do it but my particular unit uh 90 probably 95 percent of the hits that we did in afghanistan and iraq we did them all in the dark so uh, we're very comfortable 
working in the dark. And uh, it just, it started to be the unit motto for just my company, uh, Exumbrus. And I got ready to retire. And every operator, when he retires, if he's going to go be a contractor overseas or whatever, he has to have an LLC. Mm. And your LLC might just have one person, just you. That's just how these companies like to do it. They contract the workout. They don't have to make you an employee. Sure. And that way, if you die, they don't really care. Uh, that's just, that's just the, the luck of it. Um, so I started my LLC, uh, Exombres International. And uh, that was for me to be able to go be a contractor make $1,000 a day, pay off my house, grow old and die. That was the plan. Uh, but a good friend of mine, he's like, well, that's awful selfish of you. And I'm like, selfish. Yeah. And he said, you have all this experience and all these young operators are then going to have to go overseas and make the same mistakes that you did. You need to pass on this experience. And so I went and told the wife, I was like, you know, instead of, being a contractor, $1,000 a day, I think I'm going to go into training. And she said, that that's good. I don't want you deploying anymore. I'm tired of you being gone and getting shot at. And I'm, I'm tired of it. I want you home. So uh-huh. it, it kind of worked out best for both of yeah. us. I'm passionate about teaching. Um, yeah, it just kind of worked out. So that's cool. That's the name of my LLC. Mm-hmm. We have a internet front. We I started a YouTube channel called Tactical Rifleman. You're, yeah, you're and you're an operator. You got to have a front. Yeah. The the intent of it was here's a small taste of it. Come train mm-hmm. with me, and it, then it kind of grew into because I had all these Green Beret friends that also had training companies, but nobody knew who they were. Randy Worse, sure. you know, Randy, yeah, uh, great guy. Yeah. Survival guy. school called Worst Case Scenario Survival mm-hmm. Training. He didn't even have a website. He had a LLC, he had a, a PDF on someone else's website. So he's wondering why he's not getting any students. So we took the YouTube channel and it became... Uh, hey, here are these great subject matter experts, Donnie Bowen doing combatives, uh, yeah. Z Durham, Instructor Z, uh, just a great uh, uh, combat fighting skills instructor, Emery Morgenstern, uh, who was yeah. an, a former yeah. Israeli mm-hmm. uh, special ops guy. Uh, I surround myself with these subject matter experts and uh, I learn from them. Uh, but also they, we do videos to try to cover a little bit of everything. We're not just a gun channel by, by no means. We no, do totally medical survival, uh, off-road driving. Mm-hmm. We do high-speed vehicle dynamics. Uh, you go to our website. I've got videos on how to do the pit maneuver, um, how to ram through a barricade of cars, uh, how to uh, pa- patch a bullet hole in a radiator with your Leatherman, you know, um, which... Okay, nobody's going to shoot a hole through your radiator, but if you slid off one of these little hills we were on and a tree branch went through your radiator, uh, you would have been screwed, but not really. So long as you've had the class, you would have lost part of those part of your radiator, but by closing that part off, the rest of your radio would, can still be used effectively. And uh, those are all things that operators need to learn. Uh, okay, but what about the rest of the military? Sure. Okay, well, mm-hmm. what about all the civilians out there? Mm-hmm. You, some, some guy from uh, Wyoming could be out elk hunting and have a stick go through his radiator. 
if he knew certain skills, he could save the day right there. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm passionate about teaching. And uh, our YouTube channel, we're, up to, we're over 700,000 subscribers wow. now. Yeah, and you've been... Not, not too bad. How long have you been at that? I think five years now. That's, five that's years. Awesome. We started awesome. off... I was yeah. happy when we hit 25,000 subscribers. I will be happy when we hit that too. But, uh, <laughs> no, it, the thing is, people love your content. I mean, it's it's teaching them, right? Because they are concerned how to become more capable. I mean, that's at the core of it. And it's an amazing gift to be able to pull up your YouTube videos for free and, and yeah. watch and learn. And then, of course, you've got the hands-on training. I was able to participate if in, they, in know, some of that. But. The reality is you can't learn martial arts by watching videos. Um, but the same thing applies to shooting. Um, survival of fire building you can't just watch videos on primitive fire building and expect to yeah. be able to do it. you've got to actually get out and you trying to learn from your own experience is going to take a lifetime but if you will invest just a little bit of time and, and it does take a little bit of money but in a little bit of time randy worse could show you how to build fires in three hours and it's better than 50 years of experience that you would have on your own. Uh, with, with wet wood. Yeah, with wet wood, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, it, the same is with shooting. And people right. are like, well, I own a gun. I've been shooting my whole life. But the first time they come take a class with us, they're like, I didn't realize, one, my own physical capabilities, the capabilities of this equipment. But you, you and your instructors have made so many pointers constructive criticism right. shaved off all the the little mistakes that i was making by the end of the day one day class three day class whatever it is yeah everybody improves they do everybody yep. improves yep. awesome yeah so you teach a tremendous battery of uh, different classes types you've kind of gone through that a little bit so what's your favorite class to teach favorite class to teach is a weird one actually it's called high-risk travel and I actually don't teach all of the class. I bring in a, a couple other subject matter experts. One of them, uh, a guy named Chad Mormon, he is the dark arts expert that teaches all the acronyms up in Virginia. He's literally, uh, when it comes to dirty fighting and uh, all the, how to be the gray man overseas. If you looked at Chad Mormon and you can see him on some mm -hmm. of our videos, people look at him and they go, this guy's in Carhartts. He, he must mow the grass there. Why is Carl using this guy? Um, he's I, he's I don't a know true how many, man, yeah. I don't know how many black belts he's got. Wow. Um, he, he's got a degree as a culinary chef because he, he's like me. He, like, uh, he's always wanting to learn something new. Well, you got to do something you know, with the bodies after you're done with them. No, nah, nah, I have taught a class when man is on the menu, but we're not going to cover that right here. <laughs> Let's not do that. <laughs> okay. No, but uh, high-risk travel deals with, it was, it was put together for corporate, uh, corporate executives that have to go to like Yemen or Somalia or somewhere like that right. to do business meetings without personal security details, how to be situationally yeah. mm -hmm. aware, how to not get kidnapped. And then if you did get kidnapped, well, how do you escape? So uh, I thought about it, I was like, uh, why do these corporate executives and you know operators that are in civilian clothes need to know this any more than you taking your family to Disney World? 
you know, or yeah. your daughter yeah. going on, uh, you know, before she starts college, right. going to go walk oh. through Europe for two weeks with a backpack. One, don't let your kids do don't that. Don't get me thinking about yeah, that. Exactly. But uh, this is stuff that should be open source for everybody. So it's a three-day class, the level one, and then it, we, it actually goes through level five. I've had some corporate executives take the level. Level five involves life tissue, medical training, and everything. In the three days, you can, um, or is it each level is three days? Each level is three wow. days. Wow, so 15 days um, to be yeah, through the, the full. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the basic level, we get in a yeah. um, situation awareness, uh, obviously, but also then how to travel safe, how to pack before you go to the airport, what to do on the airplane if there's a, you know, hijacking, um, how to act in hotel, you know, hotels and restaurants overseas, all this stuff, taxis. Mm -hmm. um, we get into surveillance, we get into counter surveillance, how to spot if somebody's following you, what to do if you think somebody's following you. Uh, here in the States, we take it for granted, everybody just dials 911. What number do you dial on your phone in, uh, in France? Go look it up, homework. Uh, by the way, it's not 911. I'm just throwing that out well, there. Well, it should be. Uh, no, actually, uh, I'm just I joking. agree with certain things being standardized, but- I, I don't um, want the French coming and rescue me, all right? I'm just saying. Okay. And I think they're incapable. No, and, but on that point, uh, while you're in France, uh, you as a civilian, yeah. or, or you in any country, at every U.S. embassy is this gentleman called the- um, uh, RSO. Uh, the yeah, RSO stands right. for Regional Security Officer. And then some larger embassies, that might be a small army of people, but a small embassy, let's say Djibouti, Africa, it's literally one guy deep. But the RSO, he is responsible for the safety of not just the ambassador, but every American citizen in that country. Wow. So if you were to travel overseas, you go to that website and uh, they have certain, you know, find out about... Uh, anything going on there but also uh, we get in the whole checklist you know everybody plans their routes mm -hmm. around what mm -hmm. restaurants or museums they want to go visit okay take a little more time on that homework and put in where are the safe places in case uh, something happens civil disturbance police stations obviously but mm -hmm. also uh, hospitals vet clinics yep. places like that are safe areas that you can go to at any given time. So having those areas marked along your maps, if you had to bail out of a taxi anywhere along that map, wouldn't that be nice to know somewhere that's a quarter mile away instead of, oh my God, I don't know what to do. I'm going to just run like a chicken with my head cut off. Uh, and then we wrap up the course with, um, you know, obviously how not to get abducted, but let's say it happens. Yeah. They, you hear brakes squeal, the van slides up next to you, a guy in front of you locks eye, two guys behind you grab you, bag over your head, you're thrown into the van. Um, so we cover what's called escapology because with the bag over your head, let's say they duct tape your, your hands together. <laughs> Peeling that tape, duct tape actually sounds different than mm -hmm. packing tape. Yeah. And by you being able to hear that difference, how you set up your hands is actually different. And we get into how to pick handcuffs, how to get out of, you know, pick locks, things like that, how to make handcuff shims, how to bypass wow. the double lock and how to get out of zip, uh, zip ties, flex cuffs. And um, yeah, so you, you'll be thrown in the trunk of a car. But anyways, it's a three-day class. It's fun. 
it's boring for me as an instructor, but I, I like it because nobody else is teaching this stuff. You can go anywhere. You can go anywhere on the internet and learn how to do pew pew, all these uh, fast carbine shooting and pistol classes. And there's lots of decent medical classes out there, uh, but there are not a lot of people teaching high risk travel. And uh, we were talk talking to your daughter and your wife. Yeah. Yep. Uh, your wife is worried about, you know, and letting every parent should be that our children have their heads down in their phones and they're not situationally aware to their surroundings and, but they just don't know. So uh, they need to be put into a classroom and shown how, how bad failure really can be. Because the reality is uh, for your parents out there, because uh, a lot of people don't train. They really don't train. Oh, I, I own a gun. I buy some survival stuff. But the reality is you can be walking in the mall anywhere. And uh, when that incident happens, your daughter holding your hand is going to look up at you. And either you're going to save the day or you're not. Uh, it's too late. Wow. Uh, and for you to say, well, I will rise to the occasion. Right. That doesn't happen. What ends up happening is you end up falling back on your level of training. And uh, and some people are going to train. They're going to respond better. I'm a regular guy. There's nothing special about me. I, I, I But um, I pushed hard to get where I was in my career. And I trained hard. And I continue to maintain that training by sharing it with other people. And I'm always trying to learn. Hell, I've got four beehives now. I didn't know anything about bees. I'm always wanting to learn. But uh, I will, at the moment of truth, perform better than uh, the 280-pound, 2% body fat, Leonidas beard, tattooed, covered guy that just does pew-pew with his pistol he's gonna he's gonna fail because he's not situationally aware he's not trained he won't actually get out on the mats and do combatives he just wants to shoot his way out of everything and the reality is that's not all targets war not all targets are threats um and not all threats warrant deadly force wow man i'm on the edge of my seat i got it i'm Absolutely, going to get signed I'm, up for that. I'm so, so I, I just go on to the, the edge of mine because my back still well, hurts from and, being in the jeep for two days. <laughs> I tell you, uh, so I literally just go to tacticalrifleman.com and and sign yeah. up. Uh, yeah, if you want to take classes, you go tacticalrifleman.com. You can see the bios of all my instructors. Yeah, impressive. Uh, we're not uh, posers. There's a lot of guys out there that uh, wear multicam, put nods on their helmets, but they basically yeah. do airsoft for a living. My guys are legit. And one thing I'll say about my instructors is not all operators, not all good operators make good instructors, number one. But also not all good operators that are good instructors are good at training civilian clientele. Mm -hmm. So what I have done, and I've got a lot of Green Berets, SEALs, MARSOC guys that want to come be instructors, and I'll use them for certain classes but when it comes to training civilians, my classes are not watered down. They're not. Um, quite on the contrary, I modify them uh, so that civilians can get more out of it. And um, I have a very, very good cast of instructors that are very, very good at, at uh, teaching uh, 
civilian clients. We have, we have a we have a good thing. So, anyways, you can find our calendar. It's yeah. a little bare right now because yeah. September I was supposed to post all the courses for 2023, and um, I'm a little behind. Of course, now I'm out here. That's it. Having fun with through, us. Uh, yeah, running through the mountains, well, and then I'm taking my son parachuting end of the month for a week. So that's cool. Though look, the end of October ish, right. I will start populating the calendar. And uh, yeah, yeah, if you have a class that's that people need and it's not on my calendar, just send us an email. Yeah. If I can't do it, I will find you the subject matter expert to do it. Mo about one third of our classes are actually private classes that are not on the calendar. Okay, it's, that's it's good actually, to know. Actually, last year it was about 40% of our classes. Wow, um, wow. They're not open to the public. They're custom tailored to whatever the needs of the client are. How about that. That's pretty cool. Well, it sounds like a great Christmas gift. I mean, if my wife got me a certificate to go to one of your classes, that would be pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's better. One year she got me uh, five lessons of jujitsu. Okay. And that about killed me. Those guys were not the genteel <laughs> Carl, and I, I have attended your training. I did Operation Valkyrie, yeah. and I can attest to the fact that I, I, I know a little bit more probably than the average person, but I've been out for 25, 27 years, yeah. something like that. I don't go shooting every weekend at all. Um, in fact, I still get a little intimidated when I have to shoot a target because I'm you know trying to yeah. make sure I hit the thing. And you know, I remember sitting down on, on the side of your hill. I'm like, damn, I can't, I can't get this you know, this rifle to sit still and you're like, Hey, let me, let me show you. And you know, you help me put my, my bipod legs down, right? Like how embarrassing is that? I forgot that I had bipod legs because I just don't get out, yeah. but it wasn't, truth you know, you that. weren't, you know, making fun of me or any of that. It was no. just, Hey, let me help you yeah, out here. And, cast of and all those instructors were combat decorated snipers. Oh, awesome. And, uh, awesome crew. Time. Awesome good crew. Time. Totally. Really? Well, one of my, things i'm a patron like many folks who yep. are fans of, of carl and you get some secret access to a bunch of special things but one of my favorite things is story time with carl and <laughs> you know you chose a dangerous profession a very dangerous profession and so i've got to ask you what was there was there ever a time you thought you were going to die probably many times but one time in particular that I, you thought like i am this is it my last breath um Actually, no, but here's the funny part is everybody else around me was like, dude, we're, we're going to die. die. <laughs> and, um, I, I'm, and I might have tears running down my face, but you can't get the smile off of my face. You can't. Uh, You're like, yeah, we're going to die. Says, Carl, I, you know, they'll, they'll be wanting to take pictures and they'll be like, all right, everybody show me your war face. And mine is. <laughs> signature, that, that, no, signature. No, call, not smile war face i'm like this this is my war face um uh it was 2004 i had my snipers out in imam ali mosque cemetery it's the largest shia cemetery on the planet and uh had my pelter headsets on and um this ak bullet came in and hit the wall next to me and i'm like you didn't flinch huh. <laughs> and uh, I, I, it didn't click that that was a that was an AK that was round. intended for you. I, it, the, my headset, it, I, I got my Punisher baseball cap on, but I had my headphones on my pelters because I was still monitoring my radio. Yeah, I got no body armor on. SR twenty five my front, and we were with a cav unit, and uh, 
you know, they're all in their Bradleys and Humvees and stuff. And this bullet came by again. Pow! A little time. I saw that one. So that was the second And one. I'm standing on top of one of the graves. A lot of them are above ground graves, but a lot of them are like underground catacombs. And I look down and all these cav guys in full battle rattle, they're all like laying down and they're looking up at me like. And uh, you're, you're Superman up there. And uh, I look down at them and I realize I'm like, oh, I'm wrong. <laughs> I've got my baseball hat on and I'm, I'm wrong. But but at the same time, you got to keep the SF legend going. Yeah, exactly. So I looked down at him. I was like, what are y'all doing? I mean, he can't hit me from there. And then I calmly stepped off of it. When I was out of sight of the cab, I, I immediately <laughs> dove to the ground. I was like, oh my God, what an idiot. You almost got shot. That uh, happens so uh, yeah, about once a deployment. Once yeah. a deployment. Some mortar round will come that's in, blow up and... My pelters, because I'm already deaf, my pelters block most of it. And the, I was there, a different cab unit. You're like Mr. Magoo out there yeah, in the I, battlefield. I had a lieutenant colonel. He dropped to the ground. He's actually holding onto my leg. Carl, get down, Carl. <laughs> I look down, and I'm like, sir, what are you? Get off, get off of my leg. Like, that's, that's just a mortar round. You want indirect fire. You come up yeah. to Fallujah, where my A-team's at. We get rockets every day. That's just a mortar. It can't hurt you. And he's like, Damn it, Carl, every one of my 11 Bravos is going SF as soon as we get home. That's because it. Of you, because that's of it. You. Well, that's funny. Funny stuff. That is funny. Now, I, I wish I had a, a good, I thought I was going to die story. That's pretty good. But the, no, but the reality is, is I don't. I don't yeah. wish I, I, I don't wish that on anybody. Mm -hmm. the, um, I had a Marine standing right next to me, get his arm blown off. A rocket hit the wall. It was literally held out next to nothing. And, uh, all my guys were there, and you, you get a couple scrapes and stuff. Uh, I, I wrapped my wrist up with, I had a layer of medical tape and then electrical tape over that. And uh, the, the, the doc there, he's like, hey, you know, we gotta do the paperwork for the Purple Heart. And I'm like, no, you're not putting me in for Purple Heart for a couple paper cuts and a little burn. Yeah. This guy just lost his arm. Wow. So um, I have a lot of Green Beret buddies that have Purple Hearts and were busted up and yeah. legs, lost legs, lost arms. And I was just very, very fortunate. Um, now I got through everything without a scratch, no Purple Hearts. And so I'd rather not have cool stories. There mm. I was, thought I was going to die. No, um, well, I'd rather... All my stories are, there I was, knew for a fact the bad guys were gonna die and my guys were gonna win. And it's just, it's a good feeling to know that you have stacked the deck that much in your unit's favor. You know, you've got Apache gunships and you've got predators above them and you've got AC-130 Spectre gunship above them, and then you've got a pair of F-16s above them, and they are all there to support your unit getting off the helicopters. That's, that's when you, you know we're going to win. Awesome. We're, we are going to win 100%. Awesome. We are going to win. Awesome. I, gosh, you know, last night we had you over, and I felt super safe, I will say. I've never probably felt safer. In fact, it's a, it's funny because you Becky, don't have to worry about me hitting I, on you at all. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, it being next to, you know, a, a warrior like you and the calmness and the readiness, uh, 
I, you know, it's, it's now I didn't, of course, no danger whatsoever, but I was reflecting on like, I was, I was probably, the safest, nice in Reno. Guys. He, probably the safest place in Reno. Probably the safest place in Reno. He's pretty okay. safe. Um, but anyway, yeah. So you started, you, you mentioned all these 11 Bravos wanting to be Green Berets. You were an 11 Bravo. Yeah. Um, the story, well, you went uh, infantry and what made you want to go SF. Uh, but the funny part is when I was in junior high school, I saw the movie, The Green Berets. It came out in 69. That's the song. But I'm not that old. Uh, but the movie, The Green Berets with John Wayne, I watched it Saturday afternoon matinee on this big wooden box. It was this brand new, one of the first color TVs my mom had. I'm 55, guys. I'm old. But I watched it Saturday afternoon and I was like, that's what I want to do. That's, that's, that's what I want to do the rest of my life. So like my son, he's 26. He went through college. He still doesn't know what he wants to do with his life. And a lot of people don't know what they want to do when they go to college. They don't know. They, they just, you figure it out. But me in junior high school, I, I want to be a Green Beret. So um, joined the military uh, Well, I was still in high school. And, uh, but the thing though is Back then, you couldn't just go be a Green Beret, which was good because I was not mature enough. I was mm -hmm. not. Yeah. So uh, back then, you had to be a, a Sergeant E5 before you could apply to be a Green Beret. So I knew I wanted to be a Green Beret, but I wanted to be a good Green Beret. So um, I wanted to be tactically sound. And there's no better place to uh, learn small unit tactics than in the infantry. So um, I started off uh, in the infantry, and um, I never thought I was good enough to go be a Green Beret. So I would, I would always keep putting it off. I, I, I made E5, and I said, man, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. the best squad leader in my recon platoon, and I've mastered land navigation, terrain association. I've been to three sniper schools already. I've been to ranger school. I'm, I'm almost ready, but I'm not ready yet. And... Um, a desert storm. I was out in the middle of uh, at my little sniper team with 101st. We're out in the middle of the desert, uh, right between. There's a no man's land between Saudi and Iraq. Air war. I want to say it was end of January, beginning of February. Um, rain and cats and dogs. My my hide sites are completely filled to the top with water. I got my mop suit on, the chemical suits. Yeah, sure. Soaked to the bone like a wet kitten, and this tan SUV with a upside down black V painted on it comes driving across the desert, rolls right up. He powers the window down, power window. He's got the mirrored Oakley sunglasses. He's got a kafia wrapped around his head. He's got uh, the, the chocolate chip camouflage uniform with E7 rank on the collar. It's a, it's a green beret. He's got a beard, green, uh, red beard. It's a green beret from 5th Special Forces Group. And uh, he reaches and he hands me a Pepsi with ice crystals all over the outside of it and, and he goes you with the 101st i'm like yeah he's you look pretty squared away when you get back to campbell i want you to go special forces and he powered up the window and drove across oh, the that's desert awesome. and i'm sitting there holding this pepsi yeah. and I, I looked around at my, my guys at a little hide site and i was like 
you know, guys, it's time. <laughs> I'm going when, to- <laughs> when I get home, I'm going special forces. Awesome. And all, everybody, I'm, every guy on my team did. They all went special That's forces. That's pretty cool. So, um, That's pretty cool. Yeah, the little, so that little recruiting pitch that he did, <laughs> the rest of my time as a Green Beret, anytime there was a chance to look down at that colonel, you know, to try to be that legend, that bigger than life guy, I, I've tried to never pass it up. You have lived up to it. No, I'm just a regular dude who who just doesn't know when to get down. That's part of it. That's part of it. So there are so many different special operations forces units out there, and it's all one big collective joint team for sure. But you've got the Green Berets, U.S. Army, SF, right? USSF, uh, Rangers, they're part of it. SEALs, Delta. I think the Air Force has something. I don't want to really talk about them, but... uh, they do have something as well. So what's the biggest difference between what those different types of units do, their mission, or are they all basically the same, but for different? If you look at the Navy, um, they have their infantry, which is, you call them Marines, but oh, that's Marsoc what Marines are. Too. Marines right. are Naval infantry, and the Marine Corps has, out of their infantry, uh, grabbed their guys and because they, they wanted to be part of U.S. SOCOM. They now have what's called Marsoc, right. Marine Special Operations Raiders. Command. They're great guys. They're great operators. Yeah. Uh, they are basically the equivalent of the Rangers, which are, if you take all of the conventional infantry in the, the U.S. Army, they are your um, your special ops of the infantry. They are right. your guys that would do your raids and ambushes. They're they're the smashers. Yeah, yeah. Um, they kind of got grabbed by JSOC. They they call them baby huas. And they, uh, if you've seen the movie Black Hawk Down, you only send so many Delta operators to do direct action. Uh, Delta, even though I know Delta doesn't exist, everybody knows mm-hmm. they don't exist, uh, but they are the hostage rescue uh, asset for the entire globe. They're the global asset. Um, so if there's ever a hit at an embassy or something like that, that mission goes directly to Delta. Uh, they needed uh, more troops around them, so they would bring Ranger battalions with them, and because of that, your bats get more a larger budget, they get black side money from JSOC, all that stuff. Um, SEALs are your, out of the Navy, all right, so the Marines are your Naval Infantry. Uh, your SEALs are your special ops guys, primarily underwater demolition experts, um, but also um, designed to do any special ops mission. Now, basically, they should be hit the beach, go do it, get back on the boat and leave. Um, And there was no plan to use them in Afghanistan or Iraq that are both landlocked countries. Uh, But there was more than enough work to go around. So they brought the SEALs in for sure. No, I actually... um, That's really interesting. initial invasion of Afghanistan, well, 5th Group was staged out of task force dagger my sif company was with task force k-bar out of kandahar mm-hmm. and we actually had a navy seal commodore over the entire task force we had uh kiwis we had the dutch delta force there we had the germans a couple other countries their wow. special ops guys were there there was a seal platoon and then there was my whole sif company wow. um okay. now i mentioned hostage rescue if there's a hostage situation on a boat that's underway 
that mission would go exclusively to SEAL Team 6. That's their job. They are out of all the white side SEALs. They're the ones that would get that mission. Um, now, uh, there is a lot more to it than that. Uh, when you start talking tier one, tier two, all that stuff, um, we're not going to talk about all that, the yeah. specifics of it okay. on the open internet. But yeah, uh, yeah but your, your Green Berets are, and, and again, they, we trace our lineage all the way back to the OSS. Um, our big thing is in peacetime, we do what's called FID, Foreign Internal Defense. We go to other nations to train them to fight for themselves so then fast forward um like in iraq we would go the green beret a teams would go work with different iraqi units but um everybody's like well you know that's you know all the green berets do is teach that is you know that's so not right, true right, and right. a good example of it is uh, the initial invasion of Afghanistan, yes, Delta was there doing raids looking for bin Laden, but uh, they didn't get him then. They got him, you know, a decade sure. later. But uh, they were doing more reconnaissance looking for bin Laden. Why do the raid until you actually find him? My SIF company, same thing. We were over there doing raids. Uh, we weren't making a difference. Uh, we weren't. Uh, the Air Force was over overhead mm -hmm. supporting everybody, but the ones that uh, actually won the initial invasion of Afghanistan is out of 5th Special Forces Group staging out of Uzbekistan. They only put a few A-teams in, and uh, everybody's seen the movie 12 Strong. Uh, that's uh, Captain Nooch and his A-team, again, from my unit, and they went in, they linked up with a particular group of the Northern Alliance, just like other A-teams did. And basically, 193 Green Berets in 193 days took over the entire country. Now, that sounds, well, okay. Not, well, and yeah, the CIA had a couple people here and there. But the, the truth is, they owned the entire country, 193 days. Wow. And... Then we turned it over to conventional military. And at one time, there was 100,000 troops there, and we mm -hmm. still didn't own the country anymore. Mm -hmm. So uh, wow. a, a special forces A team working uh, with all the other enablers, having the Air Force there to support you and everything else, uh, it's a very, very capable team. And uh, yeah, the, and, but the flexibility of different missions that they can do is uh really cool very very cool i, I cool. enjoyed it best job in yeah. the world better than a porn star without a doubt well that's a statement you know <laughs> you, you do you do this i mean i wouldn't know him, uh, so you get to see that side of the industry you see that's the pretty cool work and uh no being a green beret is the best awesome awesome well i think that answers the question around what, what was the most fun in the army but and so there really is a lot of specialization working together uh, but specialization of the various um, units. Yeah, very much yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But again, there was plenty of work to go around yeah, without a bet. doubt. You bet. You talk a little bit about preparation, and I know that you prep. Um, you probably don't have to worry about much, right? But is there anything these days that keeps you up at night? Honest, not really. Everybody's worried about... Um, 
well, the government's going to do this, or EMP that, and uh, Chinese are going to do this. Uh, first off, the, the whole, hey, Carl, is it time to overthrow the U.S. government? No, no, no. <laughs> All these guys, that they, they're ready for the boogaloo, no. Uh, well, we're so divided now. Yeah, we are, we are divided, but if you look back in U.S. history, we have always been divided. Ever since we started the two-party system, we came together for World War II, and we yeah. came together after yeah. the towers fell. But other than that, we have always been divided. Um, again, ignore the politicians. Ignore the loud people to the extreme left or to the extreme right. Uh, don't worry about pronouns. And just focus on being a good person, and you'll find that the majority of Americans are in the middle. And uh, no, it's not time to overthrow the government by... no. Def no, definitely, definitely, definitely not. Um, as far as natural disasters, uh, e yeah, they're going to e happen too. EMP, is it possible that EMP could happen? Yeah, and that's the basis of most of your great apocalyptic uh, scenarios, uh, series of books and stuff. Cool. But again, depend and depending on the size of the EMP, but even if they detonated it at the perfect altitude, at the perfect spot, yeah, if you're within 600 miles of ground zero, sucks to be you. Everything gets fried. But, oh, and if you had it plugged in the wall, if you plug in your cell phone every night, it's going to be worthless. But if, if they detonated over uh, Kansas, uh, you sitting here in Reno, so long as your phone's not plugged in, your phone's still going to work, guys. It is. Now, is it going to have cell coverage? No, because all those cell phone towers are down. <laughs> so it becomes but, a paperweight. But see, no, but it's not a paperweight. And uh, everybody calls this a cell phone. It's not. It's That's a true. handheld computer. Yeah. So half the apps on, uh, you know, everybody should have a good survival library, right? Reference books. You bet. The Foxfire series is... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're long reading, but there's so much information in there. Uh, I've, got a, I've got a great library of hard copy, but when you buy those books off of Amazon, click on the Kindle version. Kindle. And I could be right now, if I had to walk home, I, it's going to understand, honey, I'm plan math-wise, it's going to take me 20 miles a day. Math, that's, do not even look for me to be there within that many days. Will I get there sooner? Oh, yes, I'm going to try. But worst case scenario, um, mapping programs. I like Gaia GPS. I have uh, translation programs. All my reference books and mapping. There's so much ballistic data for my sniper rifles. There are so many great programs that you can have on this, uh, this little handheld computer uh, it's worth its weight in gold. It go. really is. Yeah. Little Faraday so bags. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, those Keep work. it in mind. But uh, I bet you this would work as a Far Faraday bag, you know, or NRE, because it you is know, metal. That's actually a good idea. It, it uh, probably you, would. We should test it. Yeah, we should. Toss a cell phone in we'll, it we'll and try that. to make a call. Just, yeah. uh, guys, it's, to text it is literally that easy. Yeah. Uh, try texting it. Maybe try we'll do that today. We'll, maybe we'll do that at, at our live stream. Who knows? That's a good idea. We, we made uh, a Faraday box out of our bread tin yeah and it was pretty pretty cool and worked we tested it didn't work it did didn't work no yeah it totally yeah. worked no. as a awesome. as a faraday um yeah so when i talk about you I, I do always say that you know despite your don johnson 
look. Full you know, you are job. a real man. Uh, and I always say, but Carl's a big guy. He's, you're probably 6'1", 205. 205. I nailed it. I used to be 220. I nailed it. Um, I need to join the carnival or something and do that for a living. 6'1", 205. And as we established. I lost all my muscle mass because uh, too many. No, it's seriously you, you too, many injuries, too you many both. injuries. You mean both. Well, I'm not, not from that, but I just have lost it as well. Um, but you're definitely all-American caliber. I mean, your story. You're, you're a warrior athlete. So what yes. does it take to be a warrior athlete? Or, or what did it take to be a warrior athlete? One, you can't be body by little Debbie. Uh, I love desserts. Everybody does. Um, but the, the reality is uh, your, your, your hot rod race car is only going to perform as well as the, uh, the fuel that you put into it. You've got to have clean air going into it, clear fuel, um, all your fluids, everything. That's the problems we're having with our Jeep right now outside. I actually have somebody changing the diff fluid in my front uh, <laughs> front of my Jeep right now in the parking lot. Doing the dirty work, No, literally. because I'm halfway through this, this excursion. Uh, I have 16 days total on the road. But um, you've got to work out. Uh, uh, the, the term, your body is a temple. Okay, I got that. My, now, mine, my body is a train wreck. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I need that train wreck to be able to perform. So I, I mentioned I've lost a lot of my muscle mass. I have, but at the same time, I'm not required to be an assaulter that can rip doors off of hinges. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be able to run around in 35 pounds of lightweight kit anymore, but I still have to be able to accomplish the mission. So um, you have to be able to do cardio. You have to be able to have strength. And I, I try to explain to people the difference between winners and losers is uh, losers only do what they're good at. And, well, you know, I'm, I'm great at what I do. I'm a winner. I'm the best. No, I, as a Green Beret on my A team, I didn't need the strongest guy. I didn't need the guy that could run the fastest. You look at these guys that win the marathons. They run all the time. But they got to ask their wives to carry the groceries into the house for them because they don't have any muscle mass. The, the guy in the gym that can bench 450 pounds, but he gets out of breath walking out to his car, I don't need him on the battlefield. I need somebody that's very well balanced. Right, um, you've right. got to be strong, yeah. but you've got to be able to perform aerobically. Right. So what I mean by... Uh, uh, winners versus losers is a winner will not just do what they're good at. What they do is you look in the mirror and self, you were built to be a runner. You, okay, fine. You don't have to work at that, but you need to work at maintaining the muscle mass that if you're one of those guys, that's just corn fed naturally, uh, naturally strong, maintain your strength, Mm -hmm. but you have to fight. And I know you don't want to run, but you have to maintain your cardio so that you can perform. Yeah. So a winner will focus on what they're weak at and then become more well-rounded. And uh, it's hard. It's a lot harder to do than, than you think. It, mm-hmm. uh, it is. It's hard to look in your mirror and do things that you don't like to do. It, it, anybody, can, well, anybody can do what they're good at. Anybody can do that. I challenge you to say, this is what I need to be to be successful at this. Um, I can't run anymore. I'm waiting on a knee replacement. My knees, my ankles are shot. I can't run anymore. I still have to do cardio. 
Um, I can't do the elliptical without looking. Uh, com- no, I, I, I you just I, won't do it. There you go. I can't do it. So um, I have a rowing machine. I have a mountain bike. I you get adapt. out and I kayak yeah. the local rivers. That's it. I, but you still have to get off the couch. You can. Uh, buying the stuff and watching the videos on the latest workouts, that's not it. Um, lightweights. Uh, I do a lot of kettlebells because uh, they, they work out your whole body. Um, but you got to keep the carcass moving. I'm... I'm 55 years old. I'm still not afraid to get out, mix it up with the guys. I'm not. I, I, the carcass I will moving. hold my weight yeah. without a doubt. I still demonstrate all the drills, um, the running and gunning, all that stuff. I will not ask people to do things that I can't do myself. Love it. Love it. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, when I was in, I had a couple exercises and did them with some SEALs. I was, you know, ranger qualified at, at the time. And, uh, but I always loved to run obstacle courses. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, Love. I loved it. And, you know, but most of these SEALs and, and guys, I mean, I think in the rangers as well, they're, they're not these uh, massive muscular no. dudes. They're, they're guys like you and me that are somewhat athletic. Well-rounded. Right? Well-rounded, yeah. yep. right, right. Because I, I again, I, I love tackling on an obstacle course, like oh, yeah, no sure. no man's business, right? For sure. Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, and one of the things that we're super proud of again is that we've modeled our nutrition off of special forces standards for rations, and uh, you know, thankfully, it has helped us, to, you know, make a prep food uh, and, and an everyday food as well. Uh, I know you eat this yeah. stuff every day. That really, to your point, powers you from the inside out with fuel that can make a difference and for you. One of the things that I liked about uh, Nutrient Survival when, when you guys first uh, started reaching out to me was you, you were talking about how we meet the meet and exceed the standards for like MREs and the U.S. SOCOM diet. And uh, that was actually fresh in my head because I, at the time I was um, working as an instructor at this other training camp I'm not going to name. And... Uh, but their chow hall there had to meet all the meals and stuff had to meet the SOCOM diet. And I I was like, what is the SOCOM diet? So we, we actually got it from us SOCOM. Here's the, uh, you, you had to have this, you had to have have that. And so that was all fresh in me and I agreed with it. Uh, they got rid of the soda machines in the chow hall. Um, you know, your, your Gatorades, your fruit juices, your stuff like that. Um, and now don't get me wrong, drinking a big glass of orange juice, it is sugar water is what it is. If you're not going to burn the calories off, you can, you can get fat off of drinking Gatorade and fruit juices. You can, but, uh, it's much better to put that stuff into your body than it is to be putting, uh, diet Pepsis sitting right next to your, triple uh grease burger with a side order of adipose <laughs> tissue you know it's just no so oh, you're um, funny no there's there's um it's not just about being not fattening that's what people get hung up diet wise well i want stuff that's not fattening that i'm i'm the exact opposite of that because for me to put my my sniper team up on the mountain in afghanistan we did this one up in uh, late 2001, 
and uh, again putting eyes on up on the mountain we infilled by helicopter a four-man team now we had to take pictures of the site through the spotting scope with a night scope behind it with a camera behind that running the cable down to the laptop toughbook computer cable ran to the satcom radio uh, cable running from that to the satcom antenna and oh by the way you're going to be there for uh, five days so you had to bring five days of food five days of water more importantly five days of the big batteries for all this stuff um, cross-loading and again 10 magazines of 762 ammo frag grenades all this other stuff we cross-loaded our gear Three of me and two of the guys had 122 pounds of gear. One guy had 121. I'm literally moving batteries from person to person, trying to make everybody's weight the same. And uh, because that, that stuff's heavy, try climbing a mountain. It sucks. Try climbing a mountain in the dark. Nobody would do that. You here in the states nobody does recreational mountain climbing in the dark oh now let's do it in the dark mm -hmm. with 122 pounds of rifles and explosives right you're just nobody's going to do that yep that's the job of a green beret um so as we're packing our stuff some of the stuff i took was stripped down mres but some of it was survival food bars so yeah. when i look at the nutrient survival stuff i, I don't want zero calories i don't want diet bars from uh you know from this company or that company i don't want empty calories i need to put special ops fuel into my body because climbing that mountain in the dark because the helicopter couldn't put us down on the top the helicopter put us down in the valley and we climbed that son of a gun in mm -hmm. the dark by the time we got to the top and we got up there with, uh, we had like three minutes before the sun came up and literally climbed up over the top, dropped down on the military crest off the top, threw up the ghillie nets, found the bush and immediately opened up the satcom antenna and because and, God loves me, as soon as I stuck it into the bush, we're gonna go, you know, he checks it for bars on the radio. He's trying to get five bars. And he's like, just stick it, let me check it. I just, I literally just stuck it in the bush, pointed in the rough direction. And he's like, five bars, don't touch it, don't wow. touch it, don't touch it, right there, perfect. And he keyed the radio, we sent our first report that we were in position, and bang, the sun broke up behind us and immediately illuminated the target we had eyes on. We accomplished the mission. Awesome. Um, the other two teams didn't get in position in time. My team got in position in time. It didn't matter. Bin Laden wasn't there. But uh, we still watched this house for a while. Um, but, you know, everything we humped, we humped up that mountain. We broke the wrappers down, and you were allowed one MRE spoon per guy. And uh, One too many. Yeah, no. It, it, so I'm, I'm big on, you, you know, you say special ops grade and it is it's i look at the stuff and i'm like all right he's not bullshitting me it says it on the label and uh i wish i had this stuff back in the day where were you in 2000 when the towers fell uh you don't understand we would take uh the, the platypus bags and we would take honey 
and mix in like all these amino acids oh, wow. and uh, and uh, some of these other just so you made a big one quart uh, basically energy gel that you could squirt in your mouth and because nobody cool. sold stuff like yeah, that yeah. nobody had it yeah. and now uh, you guys have got all these well uh, that's that's something we can come up with that's pretty good I like that one awesome Carl, it's crazy. I've, I've got just one more question for one you. More. All right. One more. You ready? Yes. All right. Yes. Two plus two is four. <laughs> so imagine. imagine. All right. Boom. Okay. Here you are. Carl Erickson right now okay. dropped on a deserted island. Yes. And all you have with you is what you have with you. Okay. So one so pistol, what, what? two spare magazines, my Leatherman, <laughs> my Spyderco, my wallet. Okay. 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 Well, no, I got, I, I, okay. You're good. <laughs> this legitimately is true, right? You're yeah, not just kidding. I, I, I no, don't, don't show it. Don't show it. I don't, I I don't need to see brandishing. Uh, my pockets go pretty deep. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. So, so I guess good. that answers okay. that question. What, you know, what pocket dump, not literally show me, but all right. You're well, you're well protected. Um, I have a lighter. Um, I don't smoke, but I, I, I don't know why I started carrying a lighter a decade ago. Um, my phone, uh, you can start a fire with your phone. You can signal with your phone. Um, chapstick. You always got to have chapstick. Uh, you laugh, but I can lubricate the slide on my pistol with chapstick. Yeah. Um, actually, if you put chapstick on the end of your pistol light, as the carbon builds up on it, because you're practicing, by the way, you should be practicing, it makes it a lot easier to clean the carbon off. Uh, if you have put a little chapstick, that's your tip for today. Um, car keys, what else is in my pocket? My wallet is... Um, yeah, I keep a I keep a credit card sized piece of gold in my wallet, so you can actually break. It's pre-scored, awesome. so you could break it uh, for brilliant. bartering. And yeah. no, because the reality is, uh, when you know shit hits the fan, eventually money's no good. Okay, credit cards will be no good right away. You won't have access to your teller machines and stuff like that. Money will be okay. Money will be good for a while, all right. Um, hence the lockbox in the Jeep. But after after a certain point, your paper money will be no more good. So after that, I'm still a thousand miles from Kentucky. Uh, I I don't believe in this stuff. But well, I don't need the prep because I'll just go take it from other people. I I, I one uh, as a good Christian, that's not right. It's just not right. Um, but two, I, good luck with that. If you're trying to take my stuff, I'm yeah. here to tell you, I don't care how many people you bring. I got 17 people on the Hill with me and, uh, my Hill, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And I'm going to videotape the whole thing. <laughs> That's right. You've got your closed caption everywhere. All right. More cameras than, uh, than Scarface, I think. All right. Carl Erickson. Awesome. Thank you so much. You, you are an American man. patriot. You're a warrior. I am a patriot. I'm a, no longer a warrior. I'm a You fag. are a warrior. A you're you're always a warrior. Former action, guy. former action guy. You are a real guy and you're a great friend. And thank you so oh, much. God bless you. Thanks for having me on. And um, thanks for, uh, for all the good stuff. I understand small company, but yeah, you guys are listening. You're listening and actually getting the operators, what they need. And I think that's awesome. awesome. I really do. Well, thanks for being with us. Yeah. Awesome. All right. God bless you. Good stuff. All right. Take care.